House come to order if members can take their seats. This budget is a huge job maker, and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job. Hungry children can't learn, and it's our responsibility to try to help. Equality and opportunity. I believe most people are here because they want to do some good. Well, the clock is ticking down toward the final day of the 2024 legislative session here in Olympia. But in the meantime, you've located a brand new episode of Capital Ideas. It's the podcast where members of the majority Democrats in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. We've been doing this since 2009 and don't plan to stop anytime soon. Today's ideas are courtesy of Bellevue State Representative Mi Lin Tai. Mi Lin came to the U.S. as a teenager from her native Vietnam, and in 2018, her friends and neighbors in the 41st District made her the first refugee elected to serve in the State House. Today, she's Deputy House Majority Leader, and we were lucky to get her into the Capital Ideas studio for a few minutes during the most hectic time of the legislative year. We recorded this on February 26th, 2024, and it starts now. Welcome to Capital Ideas, Representative Milan Tai. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you for coming by the Capital Ideas studio today. Thank you, Dan. It's always a pleasure to uh, have a conversation with you. For the people out there who don't know, you represent the 41st Legislative District. This is your sixth year in the legislature. You're the deputy majority leader of the biggest majority that the legislature has seen in a generation. You know, I think people know, but I'll point out that's a Democratic majority. Let's talk about the 2024 session. I talked to you a little over a year ago, and at the time I said, what are your priorities? And very quickly, without even thinking about it, you said housing, health care, and community safety. None of those things have been solved, have they? No, they have not. At the same time, we are working continuously toward building the kind of infrastructure with community in mind, especially impacted community in mind, because I am a believer that those who are being impacted most by these conditions that we observe, we recognize, we acknowledge, gonna be at the table being able to participate uh, looking for solutions and I think housing health care and community safety is not a 5,000 pieces of puzzles that once in a while we have hint like um, some of those pieces at the corners you know um, that we can create the frame of that puzzle before we feel it in the middle. We can frame it that way, but at the same time, it's not. Because when it's come to human conditions, it's a moving piece. It require a lot of other um, extra. Uh, for example, if we talk about housing. I hear a lot. It's about supplies and demand. So does that mean that if we build a lot of housing, which is a supply, Therefore, we meet the demand. It isn't just that. It's really about, and then we enter into that whole equations of 
attainability or affordabilities. So when we move that into the equation, we would also moved into the space of who can afford and who can attain. What conditions would allow people to afford and and attain? Then we look at job opportunity. We look at skill sets. We look at then we move into the educational piece. When we move into the education, I mean, I can we can go on and on and on. And this is we only talked about a single piece so far: housing for the people who needed housing in our state. But it includes all those other priorities as well. Exactly. Exactly. You haven't finished, but there's been progress made in the last 52 days or whatever, however long we have been in this session. Can you recap some of the progress that has been made? And I know that several things are hanging in the balance right now because good House bills are over in the Senate now being considered, and that's the last step before they either die or they come back here for more work, or they go to the governor's desk to be signed into law. I wish I can speak to as many as possible, but I I would probably highlight a few that I think would be critical for the, as you uh, noted, the process uh, or the progress that we made um, in the last 52 days. One of the piece that currently sitting in the Senate from the House side to be considered is the rent stabilization piece. I believe that is a thoughtful piece of policy. There are multiple uh, stakeholderings, and and for the listener who are not familiar with um, the legislative process, stakeholdering is a way to, in my mind, if done right, is about opening the door, create a table where there are chairs that could be added to the table, and that's not done. It's about when we sit at that table in those chairs, we constantly asking who are missing. And when the questions being answered, the conveners in this case are legislators who work in these policy, reach out and invite those who are missing at the table. That is the the, the stakeholdering process is tedious, at the same time critical to any pieces of policies passed at the state legislature. Grand stabilization has gone through that process in multiple years. The intent of the legislation is to see it as a piece of the puzzle that we're trying to put together solving the housing issues for our state. At the same time, I would be remiss if I wouldn't say it also is a piece of puzzle uh, when we um, consider the mental behavior health for Washingtonian. During the pandemic, we recognize very clearly, not that we didn't have the data to support it, but now we see it in action that when a human providing a space for them to feel safe, to take care of themselves, to not constantly worry about whatever it is their limited um, personal needs. They then have the ability to heal themselves or at least have the capacity to think about what else do they need and then seek help. 
And so rent stabilizations get to that for the people who currently have a space that they call home. Because when that is being stabilized, when that is being secure, can they think about an opportunity to retain or gain additional skills um, so that they can secure a kind of jobs that ensure food on the table, that ensure that their healthcare needs are being met. This is critically important in a larger conversation around housing, healthcare, and community safety. Another piece of policies that is currently being considered is from the Senate being considered in the House, which is the Keep Our Care Act. We really recognize that because of the the financial well-being of some of our rural clinic and also in the urban area as well, the high cost of healthcare has significantly impacted the consumers. The Keep Our Care Act really focuses on ensuring uh, services provided for consumers are being protected. Um, looking at both uh, accessibility and affordability. By services, you mean medical services, healthcare services to patients at these clinics, hospitals, doctors' offices. Exactly, exactly. The public might hear Keep Our Care Act is about protections of abortion care, gender affirming care, and Something very unique and special to our state is our laws around death with dignity. I believe that this piece of legislation is bigger than that. The policies is about providing the process to ensure that when merging and acquisitions of these healthcare system, we need to put in front and center around medical services, healthcare services being retained and protected so that these services continue to be available for Washingtonians. And again, this is the healthcare piece, but it's really speak to how we can also protect the the community safety as a whole and looking at the bigger picture of how to ensure health in general, of Washingtonian and Washington as a state being protected. Another piece that I really wanted to share is around healthcare also is health coverage. So we can certainly protect services that are available for the people in Washington, but if the people do not have meaningful health coverage, and especially around the preventive care, we contribute to the problem of skyrocketing healthcare costs, not only to consumer, but definitely to the state. It moves us from the space of seeing Medicaid as a safety net into the insurance as far as health coverage for the people of Washington. That is the fastest way of destroying the purpose of why Medicaid is available for people. And so that is not in the shape of a bill, but it's certainly sitting in um, our budget process as budget request by legislators. With just a few days left in the session, how optimistic or pessimistic are you about 
the fate of some of these priority bills that you've been talking about, as well as the item, the line items in the budget? I am an eternal optimist. I believe that, however difficult、uh, some of these conversations are, I hope that my colleague would be able to come together and see. How some of these policies are critical foundations to many more to come. At the same time, I'm not a believer that any policy, including the one that I sponsor, are perfect, because we're dealing with human condition. Human conditions、uh, change, and when that happens, we need to change policies as well. What I've learned、um, in this—this this is as you stated, year number six—is that I too need to constantly be engaged with my constituents and the people of Washington, and especially in the area that I am least knowledgeable in, so that we can at least be more positive in our deliberate、uh, when it's come to policies. I'm positive that my colleague would find a way to move some of these policies, whether as it was proposed in its original bill or、um, as it's progressed,、um, eventually get to the governor's desk. We keep the intent and the heart of these legislations and、uh, commit to、uh, Washington, the people of Washington, that we keep working. At these policies, so that the people' voices are being heard. That reminds me of something that we talked about quite a bit last year, and that was equity. I'm wondering what kind of evolution you have seen in the past two or three years since this caucus has attempted to center equity with all the legislation that has passed, because everything touches that issue. I think it's probably worth at least share. What equity meant to me, in the heart of equity, is is about inclusivity. It's about what I just say earlier is being able to ask a very simple but critical questions of who are not in the room and how do we invite those who are not in the room into the room. And that process sounds simple, but it's really is difficult. It's sort of like if one never ride a bicycle. When you first being invited to ride a bicycle, the immediate response would be like, "No, thank you. I don't know how to ride a bicycle. I don't want to fall, and I don't want to get hurt by riding the bicycle." And so, there's a lot of intention need to be built into it. Being the inviter, how do you ensure the people you invite to? To ride or to attempt to ride the bicycle, feel safe. What condition do you want to make? And so, going to your question, in the House Democratic Caucus, we have built the capacity where both our staff、um, have the opportunity to, to participate in the conversation of what is equity, and in their work, how could they how could they see Equity being included in their everyday work without jeopardize the institution that we are all in serving the people of Washington. At the same time, in my House Democratic Caucus, each time a bill is being briefed to members, 
we asked the chair to include the equity component by answer that questions: who are being impacted in these policies, and who were not in the room. How does it help the members of my caucus at least start to see and understand when they choose to start working on a policy during interim? The hope is by having that conversation in caucus, they would too ask the same question. They would too start to practice of inviting people into the room at the table, and they would too learn how difficult it is. The entire process. I am not naive, thinking that overnight it would change the shape of the structure. But I believe by doing that, we start building into the very conscious and building the capacity of intentionality of those who have the power. In our power structure, especially at the state level, deliberating conversation around policies. Milan, we have been sitting here for not long enough, but quite a while. I know you've got other things to do. We've kind of gone past the time that your legislative assistant has allowed you to be away from the office. How would you like to end this conversation? What's uh, one thing that you would like to close with? Thank you, Dan. I would really like to close with: we each have that power, and I would like to invite the public to ask ourselves how to use the power within our democratic process to engage in a lot of these policy pieces. If us, the legislators, miss the mark. Of inviting you into the space, how do you see yourself as an inviter? I believe that when we come together decisively with the intention to ensure inclusivity, to ensure that the people who being left out of the ability to thrive, that is when we together build the state stronger and better. How do we build that capacity so that it's not only the legislators who has that power, but you, the public. Each and every one of us has that power, but the power of building positive capacity, seeing each other's humanity, creates space for one another. I believe that is when we can see a better future for Washington as a whole. In the meantime, I would love to come back next session and have this conversation with you, Dan, on any topic. Um, this has always been a joy. I knew going in that this would be a great conversation, Milan, and I was right. I hope the listeners feel that way as well. We've been speaking with Representative Milan Tai from the 41st Legislative District, Deputy Majority Leader of the Washington State House Democrats. It is always a kick to talk to you, and I always learn a whole lot of things. Thanks, Milan. Thanks, Dan. This is where I normally would say a few words to close out this episode of Capital Ideas, but I need to add some clarifying information. At about five and a half minutes into the podcast, Representative Ty mentions a rent stabilization bill and characterizes it as, and I'll quote the representative here, critically important in a larger conversation about housing, health care, and community safety. 
We recorded this conversation at about 11 a.m., and within a few hours, that rent stabilization bill, critically important or not, was rejected by the Senate for the second time this session and is, for all practical purposes, dead. Now back to the part where I say, there you have Deputy Majority Leader Milan Tai, and I'm going out on a limb and say you just heard some of the best ideas you'll encounter today. If you haven't subscribed to Capital Ideas, right now would be a great time to do it. We're available on all the usual podcast sites and on the House Democratic Caucus website. Just head over to housedemocrats.wa.gov and click on the button that says Media. The rest is easy. What we talk about here is your state government and what happens here matters. The other Washington has its problems, but over here we get things done. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889, the year President Grover Cleveland signed the Enabling Act that authorized statehood for the Washington Territory. Thanks for listening. 